energy. How does anybody live and drive in Boston every single day? This guy stopped in the middle of the road with his hazard lights on. This guy won't yield. That guy won't let you go. That guy passes in front of you. That guy goes three lanes of traffic all in one shot. How does anybody do this? The passion. Look, if the Red Sox aren't going to play Yoshida Endeavors as they're about to get swept, then we might as well just give up and go home. The opinions on all your favorite teams. I'm glad that Mac Jones looks better. That's really important. He needs to look better. But if it were a video game, he'd still have an overall rating of 76, and that ain't cutting it. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Very short show today, just 30 minutes. We're up until 6 o'clock, then it's Red Sox-Yankees. Sox with a disappointing series in Washington, losing two out of three to the Nationals. I told you the Nationals are better than their record indicates. They had won seven of ten coming into that series. They have now won six of their last eight series. So, again, it's not who you play. It's when you play them. And as a result of this, the Red Sox are now three and a half games back of the final wild card spot in the American League. They are also three games back of being the first team out. So they're three games behind Seattle, three and a half games behind Toronto. And... Look, we're at 40-ish games to play here in the season, and it's shrinking here for the Red Sox to get back into it. They are not completely out of it, despite the fact that I deaded them and buried them last Monday. They are not completely out of it, but they have a difficult schedule. Seattle has an easy schedule. Toronto has a middle-of-the-road schedule, so it is going to be tough for the Red Sox to get back into it. They need to start getting into it this weekend, and they'll take on the Yankees tonight again. Our coverage, 6.05, first pitch, 7.05. That game's on Apple TV, so... If you're not looking to pay for that, well, we're here for you on DEV. Danny McKibbergan is on the other side of the glass, as always, engineering the show. You can get in on the text line, 802-585-3026, like my guy Ross, who says, I'm ready for the sad Sox season to end so we can have 90 minutes of the Brady Farkas show. Well, we have at least a month and change left of Red Sox baseball, but next week will be the week for you because next week, Danny, we got four full shows next week, I think, right? we got day baseball. we got... Three games in Houston at night out in Central Time Zone, so 8 o'clock starts for the game, 7 o'clock for the, for, for the uh, pregame show. And then Thursday, we've got day baseball. We should be on after the fact for a full 90 minutes. So we got day baseball all around, so we got full shows all next week, which is going to be great. Uh, Texter says, if you thought it was over after losing to the Blue Jays, after losing a series to the Nats, it's truly over. Yes, it's not truly over, but it don't look good. Okay, It don't look good. I'm looking right now at the... Uh, strength of schedules remaining, right? Not ever. This doesn't matter to everybody because, like I said, you could have a, ser- a team that played bad early and is now good. The Red Sox now, Danny, 41 games left, the toughest schedule in baseball. That doesn't bode real well for the Sox right now. Again, they're not officially dead, but they're not a pretty picture being painted, okay? The opponent winning percentage left for the Red Sox is 541. Three games with the Dodgers, seven more with the first-place Orioles, who have the best record in the American League, three with Texas, five with Tampa, seven with Houston, and three more with Toronto, 541 cumulative winning percentage. You look down the other end, Seattle right now has the 22nd most difficult schedule in baseball, 22nd. Toronto's is 21st, so the teams you would need to lose are playing significantly easier competition 
Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Red Sox. We'll get to the lineup here as they get ready to take on the Yankees tonight. I got some stuff on the Patriots I want to get to. But Danny, this is the, what I'm about to say, I think might get people thinking I'm a little bit of a curmudgeon, but I'm going to say it anyways. So Danny and I are watching the Little League World Series, right? We got it on in the studio right now. We're watching it before the show. Right now, the international game is on between Japan and Mexico. Japan's up 2-0. Danny, first and foremost, are you into the Little League World Series? Like, is it something you care about? I watch it. I'm not probably as into it as you are. I watch it. I used to be really into it. It's, it kind of makes sense, right? When I was 12, when I was 14, when I was 16, I was super into it. Now I'm 33. I'm not as into watching 10 to 12 year old baseball, but I like the pageantry of the Little League World Series. The Little League Classic on Sunday night will be cool. Little League has gone too far with the making everybody happy. And I'm sorry to say that, and I'm sorry to be back in my day guy, and I'm sorry to be get off my lawn guy and all of this. Little League has changed the rules to a point that is absurd, and I am absolutely against this. So we used to have in Little League what was called the mandatory play rule, which meant that everybody had to get into the game. And I think it was, I think, you had to get one at bat or get like two innings in the field. And I was fine with that. I'm all for parents who pay real dollars and travel real you know real miles I'm all for them being justified in getting their investment paid for I'm all for kids not being tacked to the bench I'm all for kids having fun and growing and getting better and I'm all for coaches not railroading kids and hiding them on the bench all game Little League has changed the rule so far beyond that it's no longer doable for me Danny have you been paying attention enough to this team Japan's playing right now they have 14 players on their roster. Every single one of them has to bat. We have a continuous batting order in Little League Baseball right now. That is ridiculous. I'm sorry. The mandatory play rule was good. Having everybody bat in the Little League World Series is not good. Okay? We don't need this. 14 players all have to bat. You can have your three-hitter get one at-bat for the game as well. They'd get two. But you have several kids getting only one at-bat per game, essentially. You either need to, like teams will either have 14 kids and have to limit the at-bats of their best hitters, or teams will start taking only like 11 kids and cutting players so that they don't have to bat them all. This is no good. Okay, I'm all for everybody getting in the game. I'm all for kids not being benched, and I'm all for kids having fun. But having to have 14 batters in the Little League World Series, this is, we've gone too far. Okay, we've gone amok in participation uh, participation trophy culture if we're having 14-person continuous batting orders. If you want me to become the commissioner of Little League Baseball, I'll tell you how to fix it. Make all the games seven innings instead of six, so that way you have more time to get everybody in. It is hard to get 14 players into a six-inning game. Make a seven-inning game. These kids are good enough. These teams have enough pitching. Seven-inning game. Get it so that you have an extra inning to get everybody in. You can get everybody in at bat if you have to that way. But we don't need 14-person batting orders. You can do what we do. You know, when I was coaching 16-year-olds, we had a designated hitter. We had an extra hitter. We had all kinds of things that could get 10, 11 people in the lineup and but we don't need 14-person batting orders. I mean, you are at a total dis- – here you are. You've taken 14 players to give yourself pitching depth or to give yourself – to not cut somebody or to take somebody's brother or whatever. 
you're doing a good thing by taking 14 players, and now you're you're cutting your team out from under them by having to bat all 14 players when all 14 guys shouldn't be batting necessarily. I mean, Danny, I get it. This sounds tough. This sounds mean. This sounds like, oh, everybody, you know, I'm against everybody playing. I'm sorry to be like that, but this is reality. You don't need 14-person continuous batting orders. Play seven innings. Get everybody in that way. Make it continue with the mandatory play rule. Do you think I'm being too hard on this? I kind of agree with you, but I'm also thinking these are essentially all-star teams anyway, so all of them should be good enough to be out there. Uh, does not matter. Trust me. As somebody who played a lot of youth baseball growing up, okay, not everybody is a good enough hitter to hit at this level. Yes, they're all-star teams. Yes, they're the best 12-year-olds in the world. But that doesn't mean that you don't have one guy who's really good at pitching and doesn't, you know, doesn't belong out there with the bat in the field or bat on the mound. Does it mean that you don't end up in a situation where you've got some four foot eleven ten year old that has to hit against somebody throwing 78 miles an hour in the bottom of the sixth inning here? So I just, I, I you know, I, you're not, no, it's not. John in Essex says, Maybe in the regular Little League season, but not in the All-Stars. Well, yes, there's already that rule in regular Little League. And I'm talking about, like, when you go to your local town Little League, there's already the everybody gets to bat rule. And that's fine. I'm, I'm totally good with that. But the but the, the All-Stars, okay, now Little League is different than what I played. I played what was called Cal Ripken, which is a rival to Little League. It has its own set of All-Stars. But, like, in Little League, you have a district tournament where it would be like kind of you and your surrounding couple towns. Then you go to a state tournament, and like you'd get a Vermont state champion out of all those district winners. Then you go to the little, then you go to the little league regionals. Those are the ones in in uh, Bristol where you see Maine is there, and uh, Massachusetts is there, and New Hampshire is there, and Vermont is there. And then you get the Little League World Series where it's all those regional champions that come together. These teams have played a lot of baseball. They've all gotten a lot of time. We do not need 14-person continuous batting orders. That I, I'm sorry. Look, it t- look, I, I'm I'm sympathetic to it. Like I sat a lot of baseball games growing up because I was, you know, I because I was not a great hitter. I had a lot of times where I came in just as a defensive replacement. I get it. It stinks, but not everything needs to be participation trophy, trophy culture. 14-person batting orders is putting the team at a disservice. And in the Little League World Series, we shouldn't be putting our teams at disservices. There's enough time in this game, especially if Commissioner Brady gets hold of things and turns it into a seven-inning game where we can get everybody in. So I, I just, I completely disagree with the 14 person, with the continuous batting order here at the Little League World Series. My guy, uh, Kevin says, the Red Sox have the toughest schedule. They usually play better versus good teams. Keep the faith. How's your summer refinishing project going? I'm curious for an update. Danny, what summer refinishing project am I doing? I don't know. I'd, I'd love to know what summer refinishing project I'm doing. Whatever it is, it's not going very well, evidently, because I don't even know what he's talking about. You haven't started yet? I don't even know what we're talking about here. If we, If I can get a... If Kevin can respond back quickly with a text message that tells me what summer refinishing project I have teased before, then I will gladly provide you an update. But as of now, I'm I'm not thinking of any uh, summer updates that I've been doing. When I went and saw my parents last, I did some major landscaping around their yard. I mowed it, but I don't think that counts as summer refinishing. Is it I, I don't think so. 
No, push mower. Oh. Are, are you a push mower guy? I can be, but I, I I'm used to the sit down mower. I've never I have never used a riding mower before. True story. Never used a riding mower before. Now I started mowing the lawn for the you know at about age 13. I didn't do it fully at age 13. Um. Kevin gets back to me with my summer refinishing project. Uh, I still don't know what he's talking about. I'm going to have to deal with him at the commercial break and figure it out offline. But, yeah, no, I uh, started mowing the lawn at about age 13, didn't do it fully, didn't get to do the good side, got to do the back at about age 13. But from about age 13 until I left for college, you know, I – well, actually in summers of college too. So from 13 to 21, always a push mower guy. Then I always lived in apartments and didn't have to mow the lawn, but when I would go home, I'd mow it, push mower guy. And, uh, you know, when I go home now, push mower guy. Yeah, never once. Uh... My guy Kevin says, oh, I see. Ah, gotcha. I was supposed, Brady, you were supposed to deal with a uh, an entertainment center refinishing it. That's true. I have not done that yet. It is at my parents' house. I have not done it yet. I want to paint it. I want to stain it. Something like that. I have a 50-inch TV waiting for me at my parents' house and no place to put it that fits except for this old kind of ratty um, entertainment center that's it's more short it's short and long than it is tall and thin or tall and wide and uh so yeah i gotta finish it to make it not so ratty so yes that is what i want to do i have not done it yet so kevin wasn't making it up but clearly since i haven't been around to do it i haven't done it yet it's the brady farkas show on wdev am and fm wdevradio.com patriots preseason game number two is this weekend against the green bay packers we'll get you ready for that Get your Red Sox lineup against the Yankees. That's next on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. We just saw the coolest play in Little League, in the Little League World Series, and Team Mexico got screwed on the call and didn't challenge. I see Little League teams challenging like everything, and they didn't challenge this play. Danny, were you watching? Because Danny and I are, are facing each other, but we're in separate studios. Did you see this play a second I, ago? I missed it. So Mexico had first and second with one out. And the Mexican runner at first took off towards second, right? So now everybody's helter-skelter because the guy, the runner at second is like, uh, what's going on? You're coming towards me. The defenders are like, uh, why do we have two runners near the same spot? So I think it was a design play. Runner between first and second gets caught in a rundown. Runner from second runner who's at second goes from second to third and then while the other guy's in the rundown he turns to go home well the shortstop gets the ball fires home pitcher tags the runner who's coming now from third he was absolutely safe and did not they didn't get the call they called him out and they didn't challenge i see little league teams challenging everything things i think are absurd and they didn't challenge this play the mexican coach my good but let's go my man this is the little league world series here you got that run is a big deal. You got to get that run, and they should have had it. Absolutely. So, 802-585-3026. I digress on from Little League conversation uh, to Patriots conversation. The Patriots are taking on the Green Bay Packers this weekend at Lambeau. That game is going to be tomorrow night. So the Patriots will have had nine days between games, right? They played last Thursday against Houston. They'll play tomorrow against Green Bay. A couple things to watch for in this one. Danny, give us the music. Number one, like, I just want to see if the starters play. It's that it's that simple, right? The starters predominantly, especially on offense, 
didn't play last week, right? We did see some guys that we big on defense, like uh, Jack Jones, suspension, pending, whatever. But we saw Jack Jones last week. We saw Jalen Mills. We saw guys who will be important to the defense. We really didn't see any of the important offensive players. I just want to know if we will tomorrow. Like, that would give me a reason to watch if we see some of the starters. Now, Mac Jones played into the second quarter of the second preseason game a year ago, right? He played three series in game two against the Carolina Panthers. I don't know if we'll see that this week or this year. Now, the Patriots have had these joint practices with the Packers. If Bill Belichick thinks they've gotten enough enough accomplished, if the starters have done well enough, if the offense, by all accounts, had a great day on Thursday, if the offense has done enough, then the offense just might not be needed to be seen out here in the game as well. And I would be fine with that if they've done so well in practice that they don't need the game rep. I can live with that. I just want to know if we're going to see him. That That is number one for me. Will we see Mac? Will we see Juju? Will we see Devontae Parker? Will we see Kendrick Bourne, Ramondre Stevenson, um, you know, Mike Gesicki? Actually, we won't see Gesicki. He's got a little bit of a shoulder thing. He'll be ready for week one, though. Will we see Hunter Henry? I just want to know if, if we'll see these guys. And then defensively, Will we see a Matthew Judon, et cetera? We will see some starters, I, I'm sure. I don't know how many we will see. So will we see the starters? That's number one. Number two, Danny, you know where I'm going with this. It's the guy we've been talking about all week. Will we see Ezekiel Elliott? Like, I think that's the reason to really be watching this game. I want to see the starters. I also want to know if we're going to see Zeke. Now, my gut would tell me not to play a guy who just got off the plane two days ago and not put him out there to get hit and get contact. That would be my gut. I wouldn't want to do it, but I don't know where the Patriots are at with Zeke. They may not be sure that he's even going to make the team. They may want to see him get game reps. They may want to see him uh, out there picking up blitzes and picking up blocks and how could he hit the hole and what does he have left in a game situation. We all think that Ezekiel Elliott has a carved-out role on this team, but we don't know that officially. So if Bill Belichick says if he's on the fence with Zeke, he very well might want to see him in a game situation in comparison to the other running backs. And by and large, Danny, at practice yesterday, his first one, Ezekiel Elliott looked pretty darn good, according to Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston. We're smooth coming out of the backfield, catching a few passes with the ones and turning it upfield in full contact periods, which is a surprise to me that he assimilated that quickly and was put out there that quickly with the ones and given plenty of reps. He also had a number of inside runs where it was in the red zone and he had good push. I would say they were at minimum three to four to five yard gains and they don't tackle to the ground. So he was able to finish some of those runs into the end zone, but he really, really looks good. looks like a valuable addition in bringing something really that Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong certainly were not bringing at this time last week. So they gave Elliott a lot of run in his first day of practice. Maybe they will put him out there in a game situation to see what he's got left. I, I, I mean, that's going to be the thing that I'm watching first and foremost is, in addition to the starters, do we get a chance to see Zeke? And then off of that, how do Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong respond? Because these are now two guys that are fighting for their roster spot. It's that simple. Ezekiel Elliott is here. He's either guaranteed a roster spot or he's battling for a roster spot, and you are in the battle. Okay, Pierre Strong was a fourth-round pick last year. He should be showing more, evidently. It shouldn't even be. The Patriots shouldn't have to go get Ezekiel Elliott because Pierre Strong should be able to take the job and run with it. Evidently, he hasn't. 
What does he show tomorrow? What does Kevin Harris show tomorrow? J.J. Taylor is still around this team. Somebody can be the third running back and the special teamer. There's not room for all of them, though. right? There's not room for everybody. There's not room for Zeke and for Stevenson and for Taylor and for Harris and for Strong. There's not room for all five. If they're going to take seven wide receivers as as is being opined on, there's not room for five running backs. So which running back is able to separate themselves tomorrow? Maybe Zeke starts the game, gets two carries, and then it's the entire the entire day is the Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris show. Somebody's got to take this job and run with it because they are fighting for their roster spot, and by extension, they're fighting for their NFL lives. You think that's hyperbole, but when we're talking about fourth through seventh round picks, undrafted players, you get cut once, you are absolutely fighting for your NFL life. And that's where Pierre Strong and where Kevin Harris can find themselves. They can find themselves on the chopping block, and if they do, they very well may not get another chance. We don't know that. But Ezekiel Elliott, does he play, and how does he play? How much does he play? And then by extension, what do the other running backs do on this roster? I'll also be curious about some other things. You know, I like Jalen Mills in that center field role last week where he had the interception off of uh, C.J. Stroud. Do we get to see him out there more? Do we see more of the, you know, do we see Kyle Duggar? Do we see Adrian Phillips? Do we see more of the, the kind of A-list safeties who have been playing safety? But I liked Mills in that ball-hawking role. He was said to be aggressive when they got him from Philadelphia. I'd be curious to see more of him out there uh, tomorrow and you know then conversely I don't know what is what does Green Bay do you know Jordan Love is a guy who needs reps needs game reps hasn't gotten a lot of them in his NFL career I imagine he'll play played really well in preseason game number one do they put him out there for a significant period of time and we can see what the Patriots look like against a bona fide NFL starter or at least a guy who's going to be an NFL starter this year I would be curious about all of that um 802-585 3026. Again, that's your Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury. Text line 802-585-3026. Um, oh, Danny, have you seen this message from Mark? I have not. Mark says the show is better without Danny talking. I listen every day. It messes up the flow of the show. Let me tell you something, Mark. I appreciate your feedback, but Danny is my guy. Danny produces and engineers this show. He's got as much blood and sweat equity into this show as I do, and I'm calling for his opinion. He's not jumping in voluntarily and breaking up the flow of the show. I am asking him for help, and the bottom line is this. We've had the show be just the Brady Farkas show with only my voice and guests for two and a half years. It's nice to get a little bit something different in there. It's nice to get a little bit of uh, a different voice in there, a different perspective, a different age bracket. A guy, in Danny's case, Danny's a diehard Celtics fan. He's more into the Celtics than I am. So when someone complains to me in November, why are you not talking more Celtics? Danny will be a guy who helps force the issue on that. So I appreciate your feedback, Mark. I'm glad you listen every single day. Danny's my guy. He's not going anywhere. He adds a lot to this show, both on and off the air, and he's going to continue to be a part of it when I ask him to. Plus, Peter Brady needs to breathe. Huh? Plus, Brady needs to breathe. Yeah. Mark uh, Peters says, Danny is the man. We need his voice heard. I vote for Danny. I vote for Danny also. So, Danny, continue chiming in when asked and, you know, every once in a while when not asked. It's good. It's good to have difference of thought. 
as much as I like the autocracy that has been the Brady Farkas show, where it's my way or the highway, I like being challenged a little bit. I like being spurred on a little bit. The texters do that, and Danny does that. And that's why I want him here, because he's able to do a lot of things behind the scenes, but he's also able to do great things in front of the scenes to forward this show. This show is really good. I think I'm biased, but I think this show is really good, and Danny's a huge part of the reason why. Glennon Brookfield says, I enjoy Danny. Always nice to hear a pair. So there you go. The eyes have it. Danny will keep talking. Danny, give me the Red Sox music. Sox-Yanks. Rivalry renewed. Remember, this game's on Apple TV only, so you don't want to pay for that. Listen right here. Red Sox 63 and 58. They're three and a half games back of the third and final wild card spot. The Yankees are 60 and 61. They are five and a half back. Danny, verify that, please. I believe five and a half back or six and a half back at this point. They've gotten so far down, I've lost track here. Brian Bayo pitches for Boston eight and seven with a three eight one. Johnny Brito, who's kind of a spot starter guy for the Yanks, gets to start four and five with a four seven. Six. Alex Verdugo leads off for the Sox season right. Rafael Devers is at third. Justin Turner is the DH. Masataka Yoshida is in left. Tristan Casas is at first. 20 home runs for Casas on the year. Trevor Story is down to the sixth spot. He's at shortstop. Jaron Duran is in center. He bats seventh. Interesting story yesterday where Duran basically said on social media that he was headed to a dark place. Alex Cora said that they talked to him, they've addressed it, and they're going to keep the conversations between him and Duran. Evidently, Duran feels well enough to play. We hope he continues to feel well, though. He's battled some mental obstacles last year in a dark time of his career. Played a lot better this year. Doesn't ultimately mean, though, that everything is just fine. We hope that Jaron Duran continues to feel good mentally. Reese McGuire bats eighth. He's the catcher. Pablo Reyes is at second, and he bats ninth. For the Yanks, DJ LeMay, who's at third. Aaron Judge is the DH. Jake Bowers is at first. There you go. There's something I never thought I'd say. Jake Bowers, three-hole hitter. Giancarlo Stanton, right fielder. Glaber Torres is at second. Billy McKinney is in left. Harrison Bader's in center. Anthony Volpe is the shortstop. And the catcher is the guy hitting 118. That would be Ben Rortvet, the 25-year-old catcher there. Danny, standings update on the Yankees? Six and a half back, wild card. Six, six and a half back of the third and final wild card Only spot. getting That's worse. I, only getting worse. We'll see if the Red Sox can capitalize on it and officially bury the Yanks. Or will we come back on Monday talking about a Red Sox team? That's officially buried. Patriots game tomorrow. We'll have a lot of talk about it on Monday, remember. And uh, we will have a full show on Monday, all 90 minutes, to break it down. Patriots and Packers, also the Red Sox series with the Yanks, and the Red Sox getting ready for the Houston Astros. Have a great weekend, everybody. Download the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and WDEVradio.com. Sox baseball five minutes from now against the hated New York Yankees here on your home for Red Sox baseball, WDEV.